Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. Today's guest uh, knocks people out for a living. He's just 21 years old, but is already a veteran of 120 amateur fights, is a six-time national champion, a European gold medalist, and now a 3-0 professional boxer fighting out of the famous wildcard gym under veteran trainer Freddie Roach. In his three bouts to date, the cork light middleweight has scored three first-round knockouts, with the bouts lasting, on average, one minute and 16 seconds. <laughs> the people behind him say he's going to be a world champion. And who are we to argue after such an explosive start? Callum Walsh, welcome to the show. And what a start to your career it has been. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, we are one minute and 16 seconds on average. <laughs> Ridiculous. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, hearing it like that, no, it's, yeah, it's crazy enough, to be fair. One minute, 37 seconds, then 33 seconds, and a minute, 48 uh, it started the, with the, the first one was actually just thirty seven seconds. There was there, there was no one minute. Oh really? Yeah, I actually yeah I seen that online. Actually, someone put up that it was one minute thirty seven seconds, but it was actually just thirty seven seconds. All right. Well, then so, your av- your average goes to under one minute. It goes to uh, I think fifty six seconds or something like that. You know, fifty six seconds yeah. on average per fight. Insane. You're getting yeah, you're getting a good test. You're getting a good test in the gym though, with plenty of sparring in that wildcard gym. Definitely in the wildcard, I get the best sparring that you could ask for. Like I'm doing like nine rounds. Like I started doing nine rounds sparring three days a week for for this next fight here. So like I'm getting enough sparring with world class fighters every week. Yeah, and uh, it's a it's a well beaten track with uh, lots of Irish boxers haven't fought there before. But I want to ask just about your fights. They're obviously not taking too long. The, the guys haven't been too much of a test for you, but you're still under pressure to go out and perform. Bring us back to your debut in December. Um, you know, the, the Quiet Cannon Country Club, Montebello, you brought a big crowd, a guy called Earl Henry. I'm sure you expected to win, but at the same time, explosive performance. Were, were you nervous before the professional debut? Yeah, I was a bit nervous. I, I didn't know what to expect. Really just... Um, Fight, I knew there was I knew there was a chance. Thankfully, I did, I haven't even been hit yet in my three fights, um, with the smaller gloves. But I know I know I have a good chin in here. I can I can take a punch. But uh, yeah, I was I was I was a bit nervous. All right, especially a big crowd there. There was a lot of pressure for the performance. But I got the job done and 
37 seconds. The minute I landed the shot, he just didn't want to be there anymore. And that is the thing with them, with them small gloves. They're like they're like rocks, like on your hands. And I think this is going to happen with a lot of people. Once I land the shot, they they don't want to be there. You were knocking out fellas in the amateurs. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. This I've is new. This is a new to you. Yeah, exactly. The smaller gloves, though, there is there is a big difference. Yeah. So you've always had decent power. From you noticed that as a kid when you're you started boxing very young. Yeah, I started boxing when I was six, and I had my first amateur fight when I was eleven. So, I've been boxing a long time. Yes, yeah, at six years old, what was it that drew you to the gym? And um, was actually my dad just put me into boxing, and I sparred for the first time when I was six, and I liked it, so I just stayed. Yeah. Uh, um, did you play other sports as well on the way up, or was it was boxing your main thing? I know you play a bit of GA as well. Yeah, I played hurling and football, but um. Yeah, I stopped when I was 15 just to focus on boxing. Mm. We saw you in the amateurs in Ireland and uh, have a, like a 120 fights, six national titles, an exceptional record. European goals at the juniors in Bulgaria 2017. Um, what was your ambitions coming up as a teenager? Olympics, world champion in the professionals or what What was it for you? Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to go to the Olympics, um, um, but I also always wanted to become a world champion in the professionals. So when I got to the stage when I was 20 years old and I was trying to decide, should I stay on another four years and wait for the Olympics or should I just turn pro? Like now that I'm out here, I'm training with Freddie. We have a good relationship and everything's going well. Um, so I just decided, yeah, I'd stay here and turn professional and just forget about the Olympics. Yeah. What fights in your career uh, coming up? Like stand out to you as your best ones. Like there's a notable win over Pierce O'Leary, 2018 in the uh, the Open Youths. Obviously, winning your European title 2017. What stands out for you? What are your happiest happiest memories of those days? Um, yeah, winning winning that European gold was that was that was a good time because um, I had to fight four fights in five days. And I had to win every day too, but like. Yeah, I, I fought, I remember I fought on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I had the Thursday off and then I fought on the final Friday against a Bulgarian in Bulgaria. Right. So, like, yeah, that was, it was, especially just, just going away, just going away with the Irish team and just being with all the lads and all of us just out there in different countries fighting and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was a good time, right, to be fair. Who was on that squad? On the squad, um, I think when we when I won the European gold, there was there was me, Brandon McCarthy, Dean Clancy, Jude Gallagher, and it was always it was always the same kind of four or five boys like most years, and then there'd be a few different fellas just thrown in the mix, but it was nearly always the same crew. It'd be like me, Dean Clancy, Brandon McCarthy, Jude Gallagher. That was kind of the main four or five people. Yeah, and, and the same sort of crew that are looking at going to uh, the next Olympic Games in Paris. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Them say they are the same people. Yeah, but um, what what about what about your fight with Pierce Pierce O'Leary? That was a, a like two two lads who were going really well in the pros now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a um, that was a good fight. Um, it was a step up for me. I remember I moved up in weight, and I knew he was at. Uh, it was actually. I can't. I can't remember what weight that fight was. That was a. 
like I moved up from it. Um, and you know, naturally, I just felt a lot better because I was after coming up in weight. I felt strong. If I wasn't trying to kill myself cutting weight, and um, I think, yeah, it was a good fight. And yeah, we're both doing well in the pros now. Mm, absolutely. Um, you got to one elite final, and uh, I suppose that was the. You only had a really slim chance of getting to the Tokyo Olympic Games. Very slim chance. You nearly got on the qualifying team and beat uh, Luke McGuire, Eugene McKeever in the elites. Stoppage along the way. Uh, very impressive stuff. Got to the welterweight final and took on Aidan Walsh, a trickier customer you couldn't meet. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, very, he was very awkward, to be fair. He's, he has very long arms and he doesn't really want to mix it. He just wants to do... He's good at what he does, to be fair. Yeah, that's all I can say. He's he is good at what he does. Amateur style, completely. I'm a, yeah, complete amateur style, yeah. But he's, he's a great boxer. I'm not, I'm sure he'd make a go of it in the professionals. He'd be able to adapt. He's got a lot of skills, but absolutely, uh, yeah, made for the amateur game. Kind of boxes like a Cuban kind of guy on the back foot. The pandemic did you, didn't do you any favours, did it? No, the pandemic um, closed it closed down everything. I was just like doing as much training as I could. I was training in my backyard in, in Ireland. I, I had a bag in my garden. I was just training there, running. And that's when I decided then I'd make the move to come here. And like, I understand there was a little bit of frustration that like, and as fans, we were frustrated to see a lot of talented young Irish boxers that weren't maybe within the folds of the high performance unit. Like lads... I guess of 18, 19, 20, really shouldn't be turning pro. They should, like, well, not present company excluded. You've got the tools and the skills to be turning pro and everything that it requires to make it. But at the same time, it would be great for the Irish team to be able to accommodate the best talents in the country within the high performance system. It doesn't appear to me that that was the case with you. From what I can gather, you were just left to train on your own. And ultimately, you got frustrated and decided to become professional as a way, as a means of continuing your career. Not that it hasn't gone well. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I was just left to train on my own, just in my garden, running, and um, I actually didn't, it wasn't, I didn't decide to turn professional then, I decided I'd go to LA, I'd come out here, train with work and train out here just to get, and go back and try and qualify for Olympics. The plan, that was the first plan, I was going to just come out and train, and try and qualify for Olympics, for sure, when I got here then, and... I seen like the lifestyle over here and I just wanted to stay. And the fact that me and Freddie had a good relationship and the sparring I was getting. And I felt like I was more suited to the pros anyway with the, I have knockout power. I, I like the fight. So yeah, everything, everything's going well now. And I feel like it was the best move for me. How did uh, LA compare to Cork? <laughs> yeah, yeah the, I tell you one thing, the weather is unbelievable. You can't can't beat it. Like you wake up every morning in Cork. Sunny. I know. Yeah, it's deadly. <laughs> yeah, in Cork. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So it's it's a way of a life over here, to be fair. Yeah, and you're not gonna you're not likely to suffer from the same homesickness that kind of crept into Jason Quigley and Michael Conlon's lives. They spent a couple of years out on the west coast as well, but ultimately, you know, partners back home, children and stuff like that, and missing their families. You've got you've got family in the states, so you you've got a grounding. You're home effectively. Yeah, yeah, I have family here, and the thing is, too, I have a green card, so I can come in and out as many times as I want. Every like, I can, I can go home tomorrow if I want and come back in, no questions asked. So it's it's good to have that as well. The green card, I can just come and go whenever I please. Where are you living in LA? 
Um, actually, just got my own apartment here now in Hollywood. Um, so, so I'm I'm literally one like I'm a two minute walk from the wildcat. Right. So I I was living in Long Beach for a while, but it was it was a long drive. It was like an hour. I was driving an hour every day. Right. So yeah, I just moved to Hollywood. Happy days, and how's Hollywood treating you? Are you up in the hills or down uh, down on the boulevard? Yeah. Well, actually, right now I'm up in the hills because um, I'm just waiting for my apartment to to be ready. I'm staying in my friend's house. But um, yeah, I'm just literally right next to the wildcard down on Hollywood Boulevard. So, tell us about your introduction to the wildcard because obviously a lot of Irish boxers have you know been on the same path. Like Bernard Dunn back in the day went to the wildcard and was sparring. You know he was even doing rounds with Shane Mosley. I think maybe doing a few with Manny Pacquiao, like Dean Byrne, Jamie Cavanaugh. We know um, Freddie Roach works with Steve Collins, Wayne McCullough, like a lot of great Irish boxers even in recent years. The McKenna's, many more I haven't even mentioned. But how how has it gone for you so far? What was what was your first impressions, and how did you hit it off with Freddie Roach? Yeah, well, the first day I showed up to the wildcard, um, I just showed up, um, asked could I train, and it was a Wednesday, and Freddie said, "Look, we spar Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Today is Wednesday, so you're sparring like this. That's it." And I jumped in for six rounds with. Um, one of the pros there, Blair, Blair Cobbs. Um, and I'd done six rounds with him and uh, Freddie was happy enough with me and he decided he wanted to keep me. Right. And I guess that was an introduction to uh, not just the physical side of professional boxing, but the uh, the other side, the out of the ropes. Because Blair, Blair de Flair is quite a character as well. Was he hollering yeah. at you? Was he giving it all that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't know what to make of him at the start, to be fair. He was, yeah. But he's actually he's actually alright to be fair. He is sound enough. So. He's some life story. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's crazy. Do uh, do boxers read that sort of stuff? Like, does have you ever ever read his life story? I think there was a big magazine article written about him on possibly Sports Illustrated last year. I read it was unbelievable. Like the stuff you've been through. Yeah, I haven't actually read it, but I, I did. I I did hear about it, and yeah, it is it's mad enough to be fair. Yeah, you just uh, returned to Ireland this uh, this summer on a kind of extended break or holiday. Uh, home is the hero, three and zero. How was your trip home? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I just got. It was actually the day before I got home, so I didn't I didn't know if I was allowed to go or not because I was supposed to fight on the twenty eighth of June. That was supposed to be my next fight, and I remember I was just sitting here with my friends, and I got a phone call saying, "Look, you can go home if you want. The June fight is is off." And I booked a flight for the next day and I just went home for three weeks. And yeah, it was my first time home in a year and a half. And it was it was unbelievable, just to be fair now. The reaction from the Irish people, like the support I got now when I when I was home, everyone people were asking me for pictures, everyone was telling me like they were watching the fights and stuff. And yeah, the support is unbelievable. It was a real like eye opener, like of what I'm doing, you know, because I've been out here for so long. And then when I finally got home and seen the reaction from the people, I was just like, yeah, like this is what I've w- always wanted to do. To like, and there is, there is no better fans really than the Irish fans. No, they, they love it. Yeah. And, and I guess your fights so far have lent themselves to that because it's difficult to get up in the middle of the night to watch these fights live. But with yours, you don't really need to. You just check the phone the next day. Oh, here's a 45 second clip. This is the entire fight. And it's Callum Walsh <laughs> just bashing somebody and uh, scoring another knockout. Yeah, yeah, and look, if you do get up, 
I won't keep you up too long yeah. if you want to be up for a small bit. <laughs> yeah. And you're telling anyone who listen, you're going to be a world champion one day. Oh, definitely, 100%. What gives you such confidence? 100%, I'll be a world champion. Uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm sparring with, with, I'm only 21 years old and I'm already sparring world champions or people that are on the verge of becoming world champions. And I'm comfortable enough. I'm, I'm 21 years old and I feel like I'm already headed in the right direction. And you can, you can see from the people I'm fighting, I'm, I'm on a different level to these people. I should be fighting at the top level already. But yeah. obviously I need to build, I need to go through the rankings and get to that. But I feel like I could be there already. Yeah, your promoter, Tom Loeffler, has worked with some of the best fighters in boxing and he is very high, I think, on your chances. We had him on the show a couple of weeks back. I'm going to play a couple of little snippets now of uh, Tom Loeffler, Gennady Golovkin's promoter, discussing Callum Walsh's latest capture. And, uh, you know, the, the passion of the Irish uh, boxing fans, Irish fight fans, we saw how uh, Ireland supported Conor McGregor to make him one of the most successful uh, fighters in UFC history and um, just to see the complete package with Callum uh, from his amateur experience to his offensive power he has an exciting style uh, and then you couple his amateur experience with a tremendous trainer like Freddie Roach training at the wildcard gym um, you know Freddie is has that offensive style where you know he just wants exciting fights and uh, it seems like he fits perfectly to what Callum was looking to do and so between his marketability and, and his ability in the ring we have very very high hopes for him it's always hard to predict after one fight uh, where how far he's going to go but uh, I, I really uh, believe in all my heart with all the guys that I've worked with uh, uh, all the, the world champion uh, boxers that uh, I, I believe Callum really has uh, what it takes to become uh, a world champion. So there you go. That was after your first fight, but you've obviously racked up another two first round knockouts again, just to keep the hype bubbling. Yeah, yeah. Another one in two weeks, August 4th. So. Yeah, so in your next fight, you're taking on a guy called Benjamin Whitaker. He's a busy, active, hardened guy. He used to be a basketballer, started boxing late in his late 20s. Um, he's 15 wins, three knockouts, eight losses, three knockout losses. But he he is active. He's fought already twice in 2022. He I think he fought three times in 2021. He fought in the bubble. He's there was a great clip going around of him uh, having a, a double double uppercut. There's a lot of footage out there of him, probably more so than you'll see of most of your opponents. So you're well warned about his abilities. Have you been watching tape? Have you uh, are you could do you concern yourself with that? No, I, I haven't watched any tape, to be honest. Um, I know Freddie, obviously Freddie will watch it and he'll come up with the game plan for the fight. But me personally, I, I don't. I never watch tape on my opponents. I'll just, I'll just go there and I'll fight the man on the night because realistically, you can watch all the tape you want, but sure, he can fight completely different on the night. Yeah, we know, we know, like, uh, even as Tom said there, like, we know Freddie has all these uh, attacking attributes that he can bring to a fighter. What about yourself? What's he teaching you? What's, what's he brought to your game? Yeah, Freddie's definitely brought more of a pro style to my to my game, and just because as an amateur, I boxed everyone. I never really stood down and fought only when I had to. So I just used to outbox people. But that mixture of being able to outbox people and having Freddie now bringing a more pro style and sitting down on the punches going forward, I feel like I could 
I could fight anybody. I could I could I could go here August fourth and just outbox this Whitaker fellow if I, if I wanted, or I can stand down and fight and look for a knockout. So that's the thing. People people have only seen me just destroy three people, but I could I could have easily just outboxed any of these people as well. So. Yeah, and obviously that's your decision. And I, I guess like your your stablemate with Loeffler, like that's that's how Golovkin approaches things. And I I assume that's what you're being encouraged to do. Like put bums on seats, get get recognition from the fans, stop close the show. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the thing about me. There's there's it'll never be a boring fight. Because I do like to fight. I like to I, I'm looking for the knockout constantly. Every punch I throw is hard. I'm not trying to look for rounds. I'm I'm in there to hurt people and to get knockouts and entertain the fans. Who's on your Who's on your hit list? Like you're uh, light middleweight now. Do you think you're going to make it to middleweight? Do you think you'll end up campaigning there, or are you going to be at light middleweight for a while? Because there's quite a few around your weight division back home. Yeah, well, look, it doesn't matter to me really. I've I've never turned down a fight in my life. Um, I never will. So it's just up to Tom, Freddie, whoever they put in front of me, I'll fight and. That's it. I, I'm I'm never going to turn down a fight. And if there is, if if they want me to go to 160, I'll fight at 160. I'll I'll fight at any way. That look, at the end of the day, like I've been doing this my whole life, and I am very confident in my ability. I like to be any man, and I'm 21 years old now. I'm after adapting to the pro style. I feel like every day in the wildcard has something new for me, and I'm improving every day. And I am confident that no matter who it is, any man in front of me, that I will be. So let's see what happens. Yeah, your fights are your fights are generally held on UFC Fight Pass, and you t- you appear to have a burgeoning relationship with Dana White. Uh, he seems to have taken to you. How's that uh, relationship come about? Uh, well, I have the the Howlerhead Whiskey sponsorship, um, and Tom and Dana. So that's all I introduced to uh, was through Tom, and. I went to the UFC, the, the performance, and I met with Dana, and yeah, that's that's it's been unbelievable ever since he came out to my last fight, um, and he enjoyed it, and he'll be at the next one, I'm fairly sure. So, yeah, the the UFC, it's it's unbelievable to have the support of the UFC, and um, it's a great like it's great exposure for me, and yeah, the boys are sound. I'm going to the UFC fights are unbelievable. So and someday maybe maybe someday I'll fight in the UFC. You reckon? I train with Tony Ferguson a lot, and um, yeah, yeah, he's he's showing me wrestling and a couple of kicks and stuff. So I reckon if I if I just train with him now for the next couple of years, that maybe like if the money was right, if the time was right, and people wanted to see it, I'd jump into the into the cage and all bother and have a UFC fight. Have you had any decent spars in in a, in MMA mixed martial arts rules? No, not yet. I just be obviously. I just mess around with Tony and stuff, but I haven't. I haven't been taking it really serious yet. But uh, definitely, it's something that interests me. All right. So we yeah, see. Absolutely. Well, look. Uh, for now, business is business. Like I guess you know you're fighting on these cards at the Quiet Kind of Country Club. What for you? Where do you want to be a year down the line? Like maybe instead of instead of five, I know where you want to be in five years. You know, maybe headline at the MGM Grand, but or or Madison Square Garden or back in Cork maybe. But what about you know what about a year down the line, what do you think you're going to be up to? What's the plan? Man, yeah, a year down the line. I reckon. I reckon after a year, I I could be up there with one of the top contenders at 154. Like 
the way the way I'm going through opponents now, we have no other choice but to keep stepping up. And if I just keep knocking people out in these first rounds, these early rounds, we're going to have no choice but to get better and better opponents. And if that happens, sure, I'll go up through the rankings way quicker than than most people. Yeah, I'd say I'd say uh, 154 is going to become a, quite a stacked division in the next couple of years as well because people are going to want to avoid like Boot Ennis and uh, you know Virgil Ortiz. You've been sparring with Virgil Ortiz recently, is that right? Yeah, I've been sparring with Virgil for his for his next fight. Um, I think I've probably done, I'd say I've probably done 30, 30, 40 rounds with him. Right, so he's an absolute animal. How are you getting on? Yeah, it's a good spare. Yeah, I feel very comfortable. I feel very comfortable in there with him. To be honest, it's it's good. But I, I do, yeah, I've done I done eight I done six rounds with him there on Monday and then last week I done eight rounds with him. So like I'm I'm holding my own in there and I'm I'm, I'm feeling good. I feel very comfortable sparring. Yeah, and you, you wouldn't be getting back in if you weren't, I guess. So it's it's gotta be adding to your confidence yeah, that you nah. can you can handle yourself against these guys. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like yeah. Yeah, I think I can hold my own in there, no bother. I can, yeah, definitely. And I, I do feel like I hit very hard for 154. And I know he's fighting at 147 at the moment. So I'd say I feel like I do hit harder than him anyway. So, <laughs> how's his health? I know, sure, I he know the like... coming up to 154. Yeah, but how's his health actually? He was um, in a scare recently, wasn't he? His first fight with McKinson. Was cancelled when he uh, he was rushed to the hospital. So that one's back on. He's obviously back sparring full tilt. Yeah, no, he's he seems to be good in it for for this fight. I've, he seems healthy enough. I'm sure he just sparred. He done twelve rounds there on Monday, so he seems alright. Yeah, happy day, and you want to be yeah. So right, well, look before we go, uh, Callum, have you got any any message to your fans? You've got I'm sure you got a lot of fans back in Ireland and across the globe that are looking into your career, and and you know if, if someone wants to get in, if somebody wants to get behind the next big thing. They could do worse than uh, looking up your career. So, any any message to your fans? Yeah, I just well, I suppose I just want to thank everybody for all the support and all the messages and everyone that's tuned into the fights and make sure not to miss my next fight, August fourth, live on UFC Fight Pass. All right, good man. Well, look, Callum Walsh, thank you today for joining us on the Rocky Road. That's Corkman, unbeaten prospect, Callum Walsh. Knocking out lads in less than a minute. Maybe the next one might go to two minutes or maybe a bit longer, but we'll see. <laughs> that's, that's for you to decide, Callum. Thank you again. Yeah, cheers. Thanks very much.